Well, let's turn to Romans 15, and we're looking at verses 22 through 24. Paul says, For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. But now, having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray now for your understanding as we dig into your scriptures here, Lord. We're just thankful that you've given us your scriptures, that you've revealed your word to us, God, and I pray that we don't take this for granted, that we, we look to see you high and lifted up in here and to learn from you, Lord. And I pray this morning that you would give us the wisdom and understanding needed to do this, God. Just want to see you high and lifted up this morning. In the name of Christ, amen. So by way of review, obviously we're closing up the uh, book of Romans, and Paul has been dealing with how we should act towards one another. And here recently he is talking about his ministry and his ministry as being an apostle to the Gentiles and taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And remember, he's writing to the Rome, Roman Christians there, um, which he states in the first chapter, where he says, I, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are at Rome also. Um, so he's, he's, he's addressing them, and right here he's getting into his desire to be with them, to go to be with them. So let's look at these three points I have today. It was Paul was hindered for kingdom building. Paul's desire to go to Rome. And Paul's greater mission of going to Spain. So the first one here is Paul was hindered for kingdom building. Remember our context here. Paul just said that he strived to preach the gospel, but not where Christ was named. Because he didn't want to build upon another man's foundation. He was a minister to the Gentiles by the grace of God. So he was taking the, gen the gospel to the Gentiles and building upon another man's foundation. And not building upon another man's foundation. However, he was building. He says, I don't want to go build upon another man's foundation, but he was building. He was building upon Christ, the chief cornerstone. He was taking good, meaty doctrine that he had learned from Christ and from the Old Testament, and he was going forth with it to preach to the nations, and then discipling them and establishing churches where God's people would be edified. This is what Paul was doing. Now remember, Paul by this time that he's writing this had been in the faith for about 20 years. So he was no spring chicken, right? He was no new convert. He was converted on the road to Damascus in around 35 A.D. And he's writing this letter at around 56 A.D. And he's about to end, he's about to the end of his third missionary journey. Which he didn't take his first missionary journey until around 46 A.D. So about 11 years after being in the faith, he finally went on his first missionary journey. 
So Paul has been going about and preaching the gospel and building up the kingdom for around 20 years and still hasn't visited Rome. Though he wanted to, which we'll see in our next point. He was hindered from going to Rome. Now we may see this as negative, and I'm sure there might be some negative about it, but it was a good thing that he was hindered. How was it a good thing? Well, by being hindered, he said he fully preached the gospel from Jerusalem roundabout unto Illyricum. So though Paul wanted to go to Rome, he was hindered so that the gospel would go forth to other places. Let's see a little bit of this from scriptures. Uh, turn back to Acts in verse or chapter 16 and verse 6. Acts 16, 6. It says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Holy Spirit prevented them from going to Asia with the gospel. Why would the Spirit prevent him from going? Because God had other plans. And it wasn't to go there yet. Now once again, we may see this as bad and negative, but there was a greater purpose. And did not our Lord do the same thing when, during his earthly ministry? Remember when Jesus was in Nazareth, his hometown. He said, a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. There is a purpose for which the Lord sends or goes. Jesus leaves that town and did not do mighty works in there. He chose to leave the town. It wasn't Satan taking him out of it, but Jesus making a conscious decision to leave them because they were in unbelief and they rejected him. But Jesus, shouldn't he have just met them where they were? Shouldn't he just stayed there and continued laboring in these people's lives? They rejected him. They wouldn't listen to him. Shouldn't he have just stayed there and continued? I sure think Jesus is wiser in our decisions. He left. Sometimes it's just time to go. This is hard sometimes, right? This is in my notes, but sometimes you've got to do this with friends and family members, right? Sometimes it's impossible. I can't reach you. Anything I say, you turn. And at that time, it's time to go. I've preached the gospel to you. You won't listen to me. You're combative against me all the time. It's time to go. Now, that's not what happened to Paul, though, right? The Holy Spirit prevented him from going. Jesus made a decision to, to leave that town. 
But we can see that God doesn't always send people or go to a place simply because there are people that need to be reached there. This is a hard thing to get in our minds, right? There's so many people that need to be reached there. Well, maybe, maybe God's not called you there. God forbids Paul to go and preach in Asia. Jesus leaves the town and doesn't preach there anymore. Now let's see this from another angle. Turn up to it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter two and verse seventeen. He says, But we, brethren, this is Paul speaking again. He says, But we, brethren, being being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your faith. With great desire. This sounds about the same thing he says to the Romans, right? He had a great desire to see their faces. Verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. This time, Paul was hindered by Satan. So what's the difference there? I mean, what's the difference between the Spirit hindering him and Satan hindering him? Well, I can tell you one difference for sure. When the Spirit present, prevents you from going, it's not so that you don't preach the gospel. It's that the gospel will go somewhere else. He prevented Paul from going to Asia because he was going to take the gospel over here. It was not to prevent him from preaching the gospel. Just, you are not ready to go there yet, you're going here. When Satan tries to hinder the gospel from going forth, he wants it to not go forth at all. The Spirit prevented Paul from going to Asia, but in turn, goes somewhere else, somewhere else with the Gospel. Satan wants the Gospel preaching to stop forever. However, in both cases, the Gospel still went forth. Satan hindered him from going to Thessalonica with the Gospel. Even though he wanted to, he had a great desire to go there, but Satan hindered him there. But when he wanted to go to Asia, the Spirit hindered him. But both cases, the Gospel still went forth. Paul didn't say, well, I guess I'm going to quit preaching the Gospel now because I couldn't go to Asia. Satan can no more prevent the Gospel from going forth as he could prevent God from doing anything. God is sovereign, not Satan. God is actually sovereign over Satan. He's in control. Satan does nothing that God had not declared that he could do. Remember the story of Job. Satan had to go to God to see if he could oppress Job. Satan is not free to reign and deceive anyone he wants to. He walks about, it says that he walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but it's not everyone. It's not you, if you're one of God's elect. Satan will not devour you. He cannot devour you because he cannot stop the church from going forth and conquering. Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. 
Even when Satan thinks that he wins by having a gospel preacher killed, what happens? We can look throughout history. What happens when, when the, the people come against a, a gospel preacher and kill him? What happens? Revival breaks out. More people come to Christ. The gospel goes forth even more. He cannot and will not prevent God from advancing his kingdom. And though he hindered Paul, he did not prevent Paul from preaching. He continued to build the kingdom where he was and wherever God sent him. And in so doing, he was hindered from going to Rome. Which is the next point here. Paul's great desire. He says, having no more place in these parts. I'm going to go back and actually read the. For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you, but now having no more place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. He says, having no more place in these parts. Remember, Paul, he said, I had fully preached the gospel. He says that in verse 19. Or like he says to the Colossian church, he says, the gospel which you have heard, which was, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. He took the gospel forth, forth and preached it fully. He preached it to every creature. And he was at a time right here when he was writing this that he says, I have no more place in these parts. What's he saying? He's saying his ministry has been fulfilled here. I have fully preached the gospel here. My place is no more in these parts. He had preached the gospel and set up multiple churches by now. We have the churches of Ephesus and Galatia and Thessalonica and Corinth and Colossus. Paul was a busy man taking forth the gospel. And now he has finished his ministry there and was desiring to come to Rome. Remember, Paul started this letter with the same desire. So this is not just some passing thought for Paul. Turn back with me to Romans chapter 1. In verse 8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established, that is, that I might be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul longed to come to them and, and impart unto them some spiritual gift that they may be established. That's what he says. This means strengthened, that they may be strengthened. So this is done how for the Christian? How is the Christian established or strengthened? It's through gospel preaching and discipleship happening with the gospel focus. This is the gift Paul is wanting to give them, the gift of gospel fellowship and discipleship to strengthen them. Why would they need strengthened? 
Have you heard of Nero and pagan Rome? These people were not just skipping to church on Sunday, wearing their best suit, tie, or dresses. They were meeting in their homes, and they couldn't so easily profess their faith outside of their homes. I mean, they could profess it, but as long as they also professed the paganism of Rome as well. See, it would be fine to add Jesus to the 120 fake gods that they already had. However, they must. It doesn't matter how many gods that you have here in Rome. You can have 120, you can have 1,000 if you want. But one thing is for sure, you will profess Caesar is Lord. Or you'll die. You see Christians doing that? Jesus is Lord. So Paul longed to come to them, to encourage them, and to strengthen them through their mutual faith. He wasn't just wanting to come visit so he could taste the finest Roman foods, right? He wasn't just coming, I just want to come hang out and watch whatever new movie or sporting event that was on. Actually, at that time, the sporting events were killing Christians. You know, that's what the Roman Colosseum was for. For the murder of Christians. And that was their sport. Paul longed to come to them to disciple and encourage them. He intensely desired to go to Rome. And I'm sure this was a subject of Paul's prayers for a while. He says, I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's always praying for these Romans. He wanted to come to them. He had a great desire to come to them, but he could not do it. But he did make it to Rome. But Paul says in verse 25 of that same chapter 15 that he was going to go to Jerusalem before he went to make his trip to Spain. And on the way to Spain, he was going to stop at Rome. So Paul did go to Jerusalem. If you read the book of Acts, chapters 21 through 27, you'll see that Paul made it to Jerusalem. But while he was there, he was arrested. And that arrest brought him to Rome and before the chief captain of the Romans. So Paul makes it to Rome. Probably not as he intended though, right? He probably didn't envision a paddy wagon picking him up and taking him there. You know what though? It would not stop Paul from his ministry. Though Paul was now attached to a soldier, he never stops preaching. Even when he's brought before King Agrippa, remember, he's still preaching Christ. After all that Paul went through in that Roman imprisonment, we come to the end of the book of Acts and read this. If you will, you can probably just turn back one page. In verse, Acts 28, verses 28 through 31. This is Paul here. He says, Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. 
And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. Paul's once again preaching to the Jews in Rome. And for two years in his own house, he was on house arrest and he was guarded by a soldier there. He still preached Christ. He preached the kingdom. Paul, for sure, did not make it to that church in Rome. But you better believe that that church made it to him. It says he received all that came unto him. You think that church in Rome didn't show up at his door? He was able to fulfill his ministry there. Not by a simple hike to Rome, but by being in chains. By being a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ. His desire is fulfilled. His prayer has been answered. But there was more with Paul. And third point here, Paul's greater mission. He didn't want it to end in Rome, but was planned on going all the way to Spain. Paul's focus wasn't just one individual, one community, one city, or even one nation, but the world. You see, we sometimes get this on one end or the other, right? We, we stay so community focused and forget about the rest, or we think that world missions is it and forget about our local community. Paul did both. Let me say this, and don't take this the wrong way, but Paul wasn't a Christian nationalist, but a Christian who wanted the whole world to bow at the feet of Jesus. He was, in, in, I'm going to use this correctly, not as the, the heretical way, but he was a Christian universalist. He wanted the whole world to be Christian. It wasn't simply about Jerusalem or Rome for Paul. He was a citizen of both, remember? Saul was his Hebrew name. Paul was his Roman name. He was a citizen of Jerusalem and Rome, but it wasn't about them. It was about everywhere. But it also wasn't to the exclusion of Jerusalem or Rome. Paul, I couldn't think of a better way to put it, but Paul was greedy for the kingdom. He wanted every tongue to confess and bow before the king of kings. And he wasn't content with just his friends or family members, but he wanted the world. He preached fully from Jerusalem, roundabout to Illyricum. He preached the gospel to every creature, but wanted to keep going. In his head, he was going to Spain, but stopping by Rome to encourage the saints there while he was going to take the gospel to the pagans. I'm going to take the gospel to Spain for these pagan worshipers over here, but in the meantime, I'm going to stop by this local church in Rome. And maybe we can mutually encourage one another. Paul's focus was the glory of God through the preaching of Christ crucified to believers and unbelievers everywhere he went. And his goal was to reach the ends of the earth. Why? Because like I said last week, Paul believed the Old Testament promises and hope of the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
that all nations and kings would bow before the King of Kings. Paul believed this, and he took forth the gospel to proclaim that. Paul was willing to go as far as his eyes could see, as far as his feet would take him. He was willing to lose life and limb to see God's kingdom advanced. And according to church history, Paul had one of two different things that happened to him after this being on house arrest. The book of Acts ends right here. We don't have what happened after this necessarily. One of the things that possibly happened to Paul was he was beheaded by Nero for his faith. The second thing is that he went forth to Spain and preached the gospel as he so desired. The thing about both of those are they are not mutually exclusive. Paul could have been released from house arrest, went to Spain, preached the gospel, got arrested again, taken back to Rome and beheaded. They could both be true. We'll find out one day, right? All we can do now is speculate. However, what we don't need to speculate about is this, that Paul was sold out for the gospel and seeing God's kingdom advance through the proclamation of it. Though Paul was hindered for a time from going to Rome, he was finally able to go, though it was in shackles and chains. God still permitted Paul to minister to those people. And whether Paul made it to Spain or not, we don't know. But we do know that he used every last breath that God granted him to speak forth the gospel. And thank God for faithful men like that. Men that though they have fiery darts shot at them, though they have much slander said and written about them, you know, that's a lot of times you see Paul defending himself, defending his apostleship. Why? Because people were slandering him. Though they may actually be in the valley of the shadow of death and they're facing death daily. That's what Paul means when he says, I die daily. It meant I face death daily. When I'm going about preaching the gospel, people are ready to kill me everywhere I go. And yet, men like that continue on in the faith. Fighting the good fight until their death. So let us be men and women of like passion. Why? Because the same blood that was spilled for the Apostle Paul was spilled for you and I. Because we all serve the same risen Savior who is worthy of our lives. We're all sinners saved by grace. You and I and the Apostle Paul. So let us learn that from Him. Let's go into our application here. Our call to faith and repentance. I trust that about everybody in here is a believer today, but I'm still going to preach to the unbeliever in case somebody may be deceived. And this goes out on the internet. So, so if you sit here today, or you hear this today, and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, your call today is not to look to make yourself better. It's not, I must fix this in my life before I come to Jesus. Y'all probably heard that before. Out preaching, well, I need to get this straight in my life before I start doing this. There's two reasons that doesn't work. First, you can never fix your life. 
And second, Jesus came for the sick. He came for sinners. He came to save not righteous people who think that they have their lives together. He came for broken people whose lives are a mess. Jesus said himself, he says, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You can never fix your life, but that doesn't matter. He came for sinners. Jesus stepped down out of heaven and took on flesh to live a perfect life in place of sinners. He died on the cross, not for the righteous, but for sinners. He actually paid for their sins as He hung there, soaking up the wrath of His Father in their place. He then was buried and three days later rose from the grave for sinners. And He ascended to the right hand of His Father where He makes intercession for sinners. If you sit here today, you sit in the midst of sinners. We still sin on a regular basis, even as Christians. We'll still sin until we're taken to glory. And then, we, then we'll stop sinning. So it's not about fixing your life, but repenting of your sins and looking to Christ in faith as your substitute. And I pray that you do that this morning as an unbeliever. That's your call this morning. And to the believers here, Paul in our text had a couple desires. But one is that he greatly desired to come to Rome to see those people. And why do you think? Why do you think Paul had this great desire to go to Rome to see those people? Because Paul wanted to be recognized for who he was? Because Paul wanted everyone to say what an awesome apostle he is? Do you think, Paul, I want to go to Rome so I can be the center of attention? No, Paul greatly desired to go there because he loved these people. He wanted to minister to them and see them grow in the Lord. But it was out of love that he wanted this. So this should teach us something about ourselves and others that we should believe. That we should love those within the church enough to greatly desire to be with them. Not to stay away from them. Not to just show up on Sunday and every other Wednesday, but to be part of each other's lives. I think if you know me by now, you would know I do love that. I love fellowship. And I probably didn't value it as much as I do now that I had to go start working 40 hours a week. I now greatly desire our fellowships, probably even more than before. My great desire is not to be some employee to some person I don't know. But as to be with the people of God, serving them for an employer that I know intimately. However, as we can see here with Paul, sometimes those times are hindered. Sometimes, as much as I desire to be with you and fellowship with you and commune with you and love on you, I can't. That's what happened to Paul. 
Do you think there are people in Rome who were complaining that Paul didn't visit them? I bet you there were. I bet you there was somebody saying, Paul has time to go to Jerusalem and Ephesus and Galatia and Corinth, but he doesn't make time to come see us. Meanwhile, what is Paul doing? He is striving to preach the gospel and to take the gospel forth and see God's kingdom advance. And you're sitting there whining because he hasn't showed up to your door yet. I bet you there was probably people that upon this letter arriving in Rome and it being read to them, they would probably pick it apart and say, I wouldn't have said it like this. Or why didn't he mention my name? In the next chapter, he starts mentioning a whole bunch of people's names. Why didn't he mention my name? Well, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> then they start to pick apart Paul's ministry. And you're like, well, I don't think that happened. You must be new to church. However, during this whole time, 20, maybe 21 years, 21 years, had a desire to go to Rome and couldn't make it there. He had a great desire there, and where so much that he said he makes mention of them always in his prayers. He's always praying for them. I greatly desire to come to you, but I can't for 20 years. He had a great desire to see these people as we should with each other. You know, my best days on earth have been with the brethren, right? If you know that great fellowship that you could have with one another. And it could it almost almost like I'm raptured to heaven for two, three hours sometimes. But then you come back to earth and have to go to work on Monday morning. You know the feeling. We should so desire this because it's food for us. Fellowship and communion or and community feed us. So when we have scheduled times of fellowship and community, we should so desire to be here like we desire food when we're hungry. I hope that's what our services do for us. They edify us. Not simply because, you know, maybe you think Jeremy's a good preacher. I listen to myself. I, I don't, I might not agree with you, but that's okay. Because the whole service is bringing us together and edifying us in our mutual faith. And we have great fellowship with one another. Is that why we come here on Sunday morning? Is that why we show up on Wednesday evening? To have great fellowship with one another. Or is it a time that we just sit and judge one another? Or is it simply a time that we come so we can check off that box and say, I attended church today? We ought to repent if that's our thinking and return to our first love. 
to strive to love one another more than we love the world, more than we love those outside of the church. Paul says in one point, he says, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Besides our family and the flesh, we are to love and give unto and desire to be with those in the family of God. So let's believe that and repent when we aren't desiring that. And let's spend our time, talents, and treasures on one another for God's glory. And my last point here, our call to war is going to be short. Paul, though he had a desire to come to Rome, he didn't drop everything that he was doing to go there. Paul could have done it, right? He could have just been like, you know, Ephesians, Galatians, Corinthians, Thessalonians, all, all you guys, sorry, I'm going to Rome. I have something more important. I'm going to Rome because I greatly desire to be with them. Instead, he spent 20 years laboring in those people. And why? Didn't he just drop everything and just go there? Because Paul had a greater mission in mind, and it was to take the gospel to the world. And it was that he strived to preach the gospel, not just in Jerusalem or Galatia or Ephesus, but unto the ends of the world, to take it as far as he could go. And we ought to want the same. We ought to strive to preach the gospel. Not just in our Jerusalem, our hometown, but to the others outside of our sphere, if you will. Not just to your family and friends, but to the stranger that you've never even met before. We ought to be about this. And what kind of people would we be if we knew the message that brings about eternal life and kept it to ourselves? We know that sinners are heading to hell and we sit quiet. I think not. If you really believe someone you know is heading to hell and you don't at the very least warn them, you're the most unloving hypocrite there is. So let us prepare our hearts and our minds to minister unto the people around us. Christ deserves it, right? I'm scared. Does Christ deserve it? He does. Christ deserves my lips to profess his name to this person. He laid down his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for others, right? So give up your comfort and go forth with the mission of God, the great commission of preaching Christ to all people and discipling them for the advancement of God's kingdom and the glory of His name. Amen.